Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I'm going to tell you a story that some of you heard parts of it, but maybe not all of it. But it's a good way to lead into this message. Years ago, I taught at Florida Bible College. And my office at that time when the school was younger, before they built an educational building, it was right on the edge of a parking lot. And there was a co-ed that would park her car right by my window. Now, it wasn't her that I was lusting after, so you can relax. But she had a beautiful burnt orange 1973 MGB convertible that had racing stuff in it. Now that tells you how warped I was. I looked at that car and Carol's laughing because she remembers the stories of that car and we're glad we have not, not that car today. But anyway, I looked at that car and I went to her, not my wife, but the lady and I said, would you like to sell me your car? Now that is pretty bold, isn't it? That's how bad I had covetousness. And the lady said, no, 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 I like my car. A week later, she came to me and says, yeah, I'll sell the car. And so I bought this burnt orange car. Little did I know that it had so many problems, it should have been painted lemon yellow, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So anyway, I was asked to speak on a a television show uh, in Dothan, Alabama. And so we were in South Florida, where Florida Bible College was at that time. And so I talked Carol into trusting us to take this little burnt orange MGB all the way through the length of the peninsula of Florida into southern Alabama to be at this radio station, or television station rather. And Carol is such a wise person, and I often refer to her as the fourth person of the Trinity. She says, do you know what will happen if you break down? I said, no, 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 don't worry about it. If we break down, we'll have no, it'll be fun. We'll put the top down. Just think, hours and hours. She said, 14 hours with the top down in a little car. You sure you want to do that? And of course, my sweet, humble, submissive wife said, okay, we'll, we'll see what God has for us. Well, her folks lived in the Dothan area, so we were kind of piggybacking a speaking opportunity along with uh, this thing with her folks for Thanksgiving. So now I left her mom and dad, Carol with me in the car, and they lived in a place called Pansy, Alabama. Now, if you're from Alabama, they have real weird names of their little towns. So we're now driving into Dothan. And I'm so excited because I'll be on television, have an opportunity to speak for the Lord. Halfway there, down this country road that had winding, you know, twists and turns and hills and all of that, the car died on the way to the television show. We didn't have cell phones in those days. Kids, that'll tell you how old your pastor is. No cell phones. And so I pull over to the side of the road and I said, man, we've got a problem. And Carol says, no, no, you have a problem, (laughs) you know. So I said, all right, we're going to go to the Lord and pray about this. And so as I prayed, and I'm not making this story up, I prayed, and who should be the very next car behind me but Carol's brother-in-law, Johnny, was out in the community. And so he saw, how can you miss, uh, this sports car on the side of a country road where everybody has pickup trucks and vans, all right? So he pulls over, and he says to me, Looks like you're having some trouble. And I said, yes, this car won't start, and I've got to be at the station, and I'm nervous I'll be late or maybe not make it at all. What can we do? He says, don't worry. He says, let me help you. And I said, do you want me to get in the car with you? Now, he has to be one of those guys that has a wild hair. He's the maverick of the family. So he says, no, I'll tow you to the station. Now, I've never been towed before. Now, I'm going to stop with my story for a moment, and we're going to kind of talk about this journey that I had throughout this message. 
But I want to get back to God's word. But to do that, I need to ask you a question. Have you ever been towed before? I don't mean where you're in the front seat of a tow truck. I mean where you are in your car behind the wheel and someone has a chain or a rope or a band tied to your front bumper and it's tied to their back bumper. Have you ever been towed like that before? If that's the case, would you raise your hand for a moment? My goodness, this is perfect today. Those of you that are listening on, on radio or, or downloading this, you would not believe over half of the people raised their hands. Now, I couldn't see very well if they were mostly women or men, but probably it was a mixed group. Now with that in mind, I want to begin a simple little two-point message here on following the Lord. We do want to have intimacy with the Lord, but you cannot have intimacy with the Lord if we don't turn in the direction of the Lord. And we really need to do that. But to do that, there's maybe a first step. I don't like to put everything into point one, point two. But if there is a first step, I think the very first thing, if I'm going to follow the Lord now, according to the passage, I can't follow him unless I trust him. So number one would be, I need to put my trust in Christ alone. Now, most of you that have been with us for the last four or five years specifically, you know that that is a major issue with me. Not just putting your faith in Christ, but putting your faith in Christ alone. But in the last four months, we've experienced a lot of uh, guests and new people coming. And so it might be good for us, for you, because of our love for you, to maybe pause and reflect on that point for a moment, a little bit longer, of putting our faith in Christ alone. Well, first of all, I need to take you through a little bit of history so you'll understand why this is such a big issue, even in what we might call so-called Christendom today. Obviously, when the Bible was being written, Old Testament and New Testament, the central figure is Jesus Christ. The purpose of Christ was so that we would then be back into a relationship with the Lord that Adam and Eve fell horribly out of and brought the moral ruin of the human race, which we became a part of that too. But he wants us back with him. Now, to do that, he had to pay the sin price. We've sinned. Because of sin, the penalty is death. If I die, I spend eternity in a state of dying or death away from God in a place called hell. But God quickly says, but I don't want you there. And he says, so I'm going to die on the cross and momentarily be separated from my heavenly father. I'll take all your sin on myself. My blood will be the payment. I'll rise again from the dead. Sins are paid for. And going to heaven is simply by placing your faith alone in me. And I'll give you some verses on that. Not all of them because there's so many of them, but just a few. But let's go back to my my explanation of history. So the New Testament church was quickly embracing that truth because it's the only way to get to heaven, faith alone in Christ. And of course, they were bombarded with all sorts of other believisms that the Bible is telling us that they were confronting and bringing people around to the truth. The central figure is Christ and the central way is faith alone in him. Well, a couple of centuries, not long after that, there was kind of a spin-off group of Christians and out of that particular group and how they interpreted scripture, they really went into a whole new direction. And I'll just identify that as being Roman Catholic. Now, I'm not giving you the whole story. There's just a lot more there. But I'm giving you this part of it that is a very key part of it. So they went along and they've taken things from scripture. and They've added a lot of other stuff to it and they put it together. And I will never question the passion that they have for their belief, even to the point of many of their leaders being martyred for their faith all over the world, taking that message to other people. So we are where now you have two major schools of thought going on, a whole lot of Roman Catholic belief system. And it seemed like there was less and less of those who were believing in the message from Scripture that said it was by faith alone. There was some salt and peppered throughout the Roman Catholic Church. Part of it was because at that time we didn't have the Scripture translated from the original languages, let alone printed and published for people to read. And so it was held by a select few. 
And those people could say what they wanted to about that. And I'm not marginalizing it. That's just the way that it was. Certain things began to happen as we began to progress. More people wanted to know, what does the Bible really have to teach? And so then we found that the Bible was translated. Printing press was invented. The, the Bible was now printed. And it started to fall in the hands of a lot of people. And there was a movement. Listen, listen. There was a movement of God that wasn't just in one little area or one little situation. It was a lot going on by God that was now saying... Let me clarify for you people on planet Earth the way of salvation. Now, we're fast-forwarding this to not many centuries ago. Doesn't mean that it was a new truth that came out then. It just meant that it was an old truth that was now getting press. It was now getting publicity. It was now being shouted. Now, most of you now know the term called the Reformation. You know the issue between Roman Catholicism and Protestantism, etc. But here's what was really happening. I'm going to simplify the Roman Catholic teaching. They would say, and they did say, and probably still say, that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ. Those of you that have been to a Catholic Mass, you probably will know that most frequently they will even quote John 3.16. And it'll be like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then they go off into other issues. So it sounds pretty close. Now the reason that you have what we call the Reformation is that there was a reforming of the belief system that was perhaps known as Christianity back to what does scripture really have to say and you got the truth of going to heaven was not just faith in Jesus Christ it was faith alone in Jesus Christ and that perhaps was one of the biggest igniters of the reformation and what we had since then and that's why you might have other things. There are other things that are a lot different than what we might call Christianity or Protestantism will believe. But if there was maybe an epicenter, it would be the issue of faith alone. That word alone is critical. Young people, that is very critical. Because everything has to be in Christ, in Christ alone. So you know that at that time, a lot of the writings, particularly the Roman Catholic Church, they would have Latin. The older people that are in this group, I'm not, don't raise your hand on that one, you remember when we were in school that you would take a language and they would teach Latin. They don't do that now. But in Latin, back in the Reformation days that are now taken over now, that we who have a bedrock of faith, they would have four, what you would say, alone. The word would be solo. When I'm a solo pilot, I'm going by myself. It's alone. So when you hear the word solo, some of you kids that are learning how to drive, you're excited about driving, especially when you don't have to have mom or dad or a proper licensed age driver with you you want to do your first solo driving solo means alone now take that word solo listen carefully there were four solos you have what was known as solo fida that means faith fida fida faith alone then you had scriptura solo or solo scriptura that's critical that means scripture alone that means there are many great writings about the bible but the authentic God's word is found in scripture. So we have what is known as the, the sufficiency of scripture. We don't need any more teaching that comes out. It's all going to come from scripture here. Sola scriptura. The second is the word solo gracie, which is basically, it is only by grace. And then finally, sola gloria, which is all and only glory goes to God. So all of it wraps up around. It's only by faith. Scripture is the only writing for the sufficiency and the knowledge of God that we need. That we give all glory to the Lord because it is only by God's grace. Now let me tell our new folks here, what our old people hear is a mantra that I give on this. You've heard it a thousand times. 
going to heaven is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. So if some of you are now getting a clarification on this truth, you're going to grab a hold of that going to heaven is by faith alone. Now some of you, me saying this to you resonates and you're agreeing with that. Others of you are saying, show me the book. So let's look at some verses here for a moment here. Because if we're going to follow Christ, we have to do something first before we can follow him. We've got to trust him. All right, so this is just a little bit to get you started. So it begins with faith alone in Jesus Christ alone to become a Christian. Now I'm going to read the words of Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ. He said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through good works. Is that what it says? Except through religious rituals of some kind. No. Except through me and good works and religious rituals. It doesn't say that. It says, except through me. If you want it in your margin, you could say, faith alone in Christ. So he says, I am the only way to get to heaven. You've got to park on that. You have to own that. You have to embrace that. Anytime you add anything to that, then what you're saying is what Christ did wasn't good enough. I have to help him out. And that's not good enough with the Lord. He says, it's only by me. I'm reminded of a story told to me by a gentleman I've, I've known and had a wonderful friendship with. His name was Dr. Curtis Hudson. He's in heaven right now. Before he went into the ministry, he used to be a postmaster, a postman actually. And he was a Christian that would share his faith wherever he was to tell people how to go to heaven. He encountered one lady along his route that he was delivering his mail and they got into conversation about spiritual matters like some of you are beginning to do with others, just kindly and gently and carefully. And this lady just shot back her understanding of going to heaven. And she said to Curtis, she said, you know what, going to heaven, it's a lot like going to the post office. And he said, huh? And she said, yes, in order to go to heaven, you can go down this road here to get to the post office. You can go around that road there to get to the post office. You can come around the backside and get that way to the post office. So there are many ways to get to the post office, just like there are many different ways, many different religions will all wind up at the post office. And Curtis Hudson, with his smile and a twinkle in his eye, says, so you're saying that you go this way, you get to the post office, that way, so there's many different ways to get to the post office. And she said, that's right. And he says, the only problem is when you die, you don't die and go to the post office. And I know that's a little sarcastic there, but it's really true. Jesus said, I am the only way. There are a lot of ways that others might say that might even sound logical, but it's not built upon the inerrant and consistent word of God. Now, one of my favorite passages is now found in 1 John chapter 5, verse 9 through 13. It's a longer passage. Follow with your eyes, and I'll try to comment on this a little bit to help you as we go through this. John is now writing again. And he says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Ooh, that's true. Who do you think you can trust more, man or God? For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. Now, why would that be? Because when you place your faith in Christ, other scripture says that he comes to live in you the hope of glory. So now he's witnessing, he's... he's He's confirming within you that he is your savior on, inside of you. So you have all of that going on because the witness of God is greater than the witness of man. Let me see if I can help you with this. I asked my friend Tyler to bring this up. It's a can of soup here. Now, 
This can of soup was on a shelf somewhere, and probably it was my wife. I'm not sure. She sometimes will buy some food and put it upstairs on the third floor for people who'd like to get something to eat up there. Now, she bought this because she thinks people like soup. They like chicken noodle soup, and that's Campbell's, and that's a trusted name in soup, all right? Have you ever gotten one of these? She believed in the witness of man that this was Campbell's, that it was chicken noodle, and that it was soup. Have you ever opened up something like that and found that what was in there wasn't the same thing that wasn't on the label? Has that ever once happened to you? I promise you, it has. And the sad part about it, that's even worse than open this up and have a can of beans, is to see, see where it says chicken noodle soup and you open up and there's a dead cockroach in there. Okay? Because you didn't buy a can of dead cockroach soup. Okay? You got chicken soup. Now, we're chuckling over that, but we will take the witness of man for many people as gospel truth, who we now know as we get older that they can't always be trusted, over, though, the witness of God who's never lied to us. He cannot lie because his nature is truth. Holy Spirit, truth. Jesus says he's the truth. And God is truth. He cannot lie. And the same verse goes on to say that he's not going to lie to you. Let's go back to the passage here. It goes on and says, and this is the testimony. All right, here's the witness. That God has given us eternal life. It does not say, follow with your eyes, has given us life until we sin again. It just says, he has given us eternal life. And this life is in your good works. No, it doesn't say that. It says, is in his son, sola fide, faith alone. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Folks, this is pure black and white. It is not gray. You can't massage this. This is what the truth says. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't, you don't. Then it says, and I like this part, these things, all of what he's already written, have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So now he's writing to Christians. Why did he write all of that to those who already believe in the name of the Son of God? Here it is. Here it is. Mark it that you who now believe may know that you have eternal life. Not guess, not hope, not think, but it says you know you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in his name. And today, our wonderful worship team and Dawn led us in many songs about the name of the Lord and Emmanuel, his name, God who saves us. His name is more than just he saves us. He has a reputation to uphold by his name. He is who his name is. God who saves. And so when you believe in his name, you believe in a reputation of a God who cannot lie, who did all the work for us, who says if you believe in him, you won't go to hell, but have everlasting life, you have eternal life. And that's the witness of God that's greater than the witness of man. So, before you can ever follow the Lord, you have to trust in him. Well, let me go back to the story. When I know Johnny, I've known him for many years, Carol's brother-in-law. In fact, uh, when I met him, uh, he was already married to Carol's sister, who's now in heaven. And, and I, this guy here, he, he knew, if he knew one thing, this guy knew cars. He worked on cars all the time. Now, watch out. He worked on cars so much, he sure knew a lot about towing broken down cars. So when he said, Sam, don't worry about it, I'll hook it up. Because remember, I might have the gift of gab. I sure don't have the gift of working with my hands, all right? So he says, I'll, I'll hook this up for you. So he got under the bumper of this MGB and he got his chain up there and he stretched it out and he put it on the back of his van. I'm chuckling too because I'm telling you a story that really happened and the sovereignty of God not only brought him, not only brought him with a big enough vehicle to tow me, 
but it had a chain in the back of it. Isn't that weird how God did all that? That's true. And so now we're hooked up into this thing. So while I have to now trust in him, that's a done deal. I'm hooked up. I couldn't even unhook this thing to untie that chain. I wouldn't know how to do this thing. It's all of Johnny and what he did for me to get me to doth into that TV station. It's all of him. But now, even though it's all of him, we had to do the next step, which means, all right, he's going to tow me. Does that mean my car just wobbles all over the highway behind it, like surfing behind a, a, a big wave or something, or in front of a big wave? No. It's, Carol, you get in the front of the van in case there's a problem, and then, Stan, you drive. I says, no problem. I can do that. So now what I need to do is I need to keep my eyes on the van, or in this case, keep my eyes on Johnny in the van in front of me. Now, I've never been towed before. I've never had that experience. So I'm back there and I'm thinking, this is really cool. You know, that's my personality. This is so neat. I wonder what it's like to be towed. I wonder if my speedometer still works when I'm being towed. You know, all this stuff. But I knew one thing. I had to keep my eyes on him. And so some, some of you, you need to understand this. When you place your faith in Christ, it is true. You have eternal life. You have the Son. You don't have life until you sin again. You have it forever. You're blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ and secure in Him. Whatever you do afterwards, God says, I'll discipline you, but I will not disconnect you from me. But now, if you want to have a wild, dumb ride, take your eyes off of Jesus. And folks, I'm as serious as a heart attack right now. There are people listening to me today that would give a witness to say, I placed my faith in Christ to take me to heaven, but I got my eyes off of him, and I have memory scars that I live with today because of it. In fact, I'm in this room today because I'm trying to heal those scars and put my eyes back on the Lord again. And that's why this next verse is put here for us to look at as well. I need to keep my eyes on Christ, not to keep saved, but because the ride I'm about to take can be pretty dangerous if I don't keep my eyes on him. Here's what it says. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And then it says, and let us run the race that is set before us. So basically, it's just saying we're in a, we're in a race, a race of life. And in that, we've got to lay off some of the stuff that's going to cause us to stumble, get into some problems, get rid of the weight, get rid of the sin. But now here's the positive. It says this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, in the, in the original language, looking works okay in English because I do have to look at them. But in the original language, it's a little bit more stronger than that. And it talks about fixing. Look at this. Fixing my eyes on the Lord. Those of you that perhaps know about these fighter pilots and they've got a fix on the enemy airplane in front of them before they shoot the missile. They've got to zero in and they fix it on that. And so as I live my life, I need to fix my gaze on the Lord. I've got to fix my eyes. We might say, turn my focus of all my tension on Jesus Christ. One translator used this. He says, looking away from all else and now looking to Jesus. So it's a choice now of saying, I can be easily distracted. There's a lot of stuff that can distract me. But I've got to fix my gaze on Jesus Christ. And it goes on in that passage from there. Now, it was kind of interesting. I'm in my little MGB, the top's down. And by the way, if you don't know this, your speedometer does work when you're being towed. 
But this was beautiful fall time of the year, late fall, Thanksgiving. Leaves are all changing, and I'm behind this van in front of me, and I thought, how, how hard could this be? I'm 10 feet away, and I'm going to enjoy this ride. So I begin to look at the scenery around me, and then I get a little bit bored, and I want to see what's, and this is dangerous, I wanted to see what's in front of me besides the van. Now, when you're in a little MGB, and that's a big, wide van, you can't see anything. So I thought, this is cool. It's like water skiing. So I zipped out this way, and just as I did on this two-lane, little windy, hilly road, there's a truck coming right at us. And so I whizzed right back again, and I realized I have got to fix, I have to watch. Then I started to think, what happens if Johnny begins to stop his vehicle? You know what they tell you, if you're in a car, you have to have one car length distance for every so many miles an hour that you're traveling here, you know, and I'm 10, and I'm watching my speedometer because he is a maverick. We're going 40, 50, 60, 70 miles an hour. I don't know if he didn't like his brother-in-law or what, you know, but all I know is by then, I'm like this. I'm going to watch his brake lights at any moment, you know, and really, folks, don't ever do this because a deer could have run out in front of him and you'd have a different pastor today. All right, but that's the truth. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.